Today's scripture comes from John 4, 1 through 15, and on your pew Bible, it's on page 752. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more into Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know, you know, who all is going to come forward at the end, but I know we got one. I'm excited that uh, Stacy will be coming forward to confess all of her illegal uh, actions that she's done. So something to look forward to. Uh, we're going to do a two-part series, and this is the first one of it. First of all, let's look at the logo again. Again, it's all his. That's what we're focusing on this year. We're, we're talking about how it's all his story, which we're going to talk about again today. It's all his uh, time. It's all his assets, and it's all his, what did we talk about last week? It starts with an R. It's all his resources. Very, very good. Thank you. Appreciate you remembering that. I thought we would focus for a couple more weeks on it's all his story, you know, what it takes to really be willing to share the gospel of Jesus out there, particularly when we go to uncomfortable places, which obviously has been the the theme of this entire morning, and I really want to talk about that, Um, uh, you know, to to really share the whole gospel, uh, you've got to be willing to do that with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, so we're talking about not just doing that with your words, but being willing to do a couple of things, The, the emphasis this morning is on exposure, Next week it will be on disclosure, being willing to, to share of yourself warts and all to people. We will get to that uh, next week. But to share the whole story, you've got to share the whole gospel. To share the whole gospel, you've got to put yourself in unfamiliar, uncomfortable, and sometimes somewhat fearsome circumstances. That's exactly what Jesus did uh, in his ministry. It takes a new chapter, really, literally and figuratively, in John chapter 4. In John chapter 3, he's just been talking to Nicodemus uh, uh, down in Judea, which is the hub of Jewish culture. But now he decides he's going to go to Galilee. But there's a certain way he goes that you're not supposed to go. Put the other uh, slide up there, Stephen, for a second. Uh, take a look at this. Jesus uh, you know, started, I know this is pointing downward, but let's say Jesus left from Jerusalem down here. Traditionally, a Jew would completely avoid Samaria. You would go to the east, cross the River Jordan, come back up, go westward across the River Jordan, then go up, completely bypassing Samaria. As you know, they were perceived as enemies, adversaries 
of Jews. Why was that? Well, it was 722 years of an adversarial relationship. Uh, it goes all the way back to the Assyrian exile back in uh, 722 B.C. when, when uh, General Sennacherib went in and just took over all of the area known as Samaria and, and scattered the people. He exiled them. And what he did was he left just a few people there, but then he brought in people from all other parts of the known world that had been conquered. So you had people of all these different nationalities, all these different uh, ethnicities, all these, other, all these other religions, all mixed together. The blue-blood Jews to the south in Judea were threatened by that. They wanted to remain a homogenous culture, and they were very threatened by these Samaritans. And I want you to imagine 722 years of racism going on. Harsh, racist attitudes towards each other up until the time of Jesus. So that's why a Jew would ordinarily completely avoid that neighborhood with those people and go around. But Jesus goes due north into Samaria, which must have driven the disciples crazy, but he does just that. Now, my favorite verse in this entire story of the woman at the well is actually an early verse. It's verse 4. And, and, and he, it just says this, now he had to go through Samaria. If you have your Bible, you can underline had there. That's the most important word. He had to go through Samaria. Now, did he have to do that geographically? Absolutely not. He could go this way, like most traditional Jews did. Missionally, he decided he had to do that. Now, the word there for had in the Greek is edai, edai. It literally means, you know, having to go do something for the sake of God's plan. In fact, whenever it's mentioned in the Gospel of John, it means to have to go do something to follow God's will. A good example is John chapter 9, verse 4, where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says, as long as it is day, we must, we edai, do the work of him who sent me. We must, we have to do the work of him who sent me. So what that John is saying here is Jesus had to go to offer himself to these people who were perceived as enemies, as unworthy of Jews. And he said, I've got to go and, and be exposed to these people and face this, this challenging circumstance, this unfamiliar circumstance. So he lets himself be exposed to those people also be exposed to the elements. Verse 7 there says that he arrived at that well in the city of Sychar right in the heat of the day, right at noon. Nobody went to the well at noon. People were back home or they were in the shade. They wouldn't go near the well. It's too hot. But this one woman goes there and he knew that she would be there. But he's exposed himself here to the elements as well, the heat of the day. And, and this woman comes along who's been shunned and ashamed and that's why she goes at that time. So Jesus is facing those unfamiliar, strange, enemy people. He's facing the elements of heat. He's also exposing himself to so a socially awkward situation. Jesus turns and asks her for water. When he does that, he violates two cultural norms of the day. Number one, a Jewish man would never initiate a conversation with an unknown woman, somebody he didn't know. You just didn't do that. Secondly, of course, as it says at the end of verse 9, quite simply, Jews did not interconnect at all with Samaritans. They didn't associate with them. And so he does both of those with this woman who is unknown and obviously has a questionable reputation. It's very interesting. What is chapter 3 of John all about when he has that great conversation with Nicodemus, a respected Jewish member of the Sanhedrin, and they have this conversation down in Judea? But now, very next chapter, he's going into Samaria, into Sychar, and into the heart 
of Samaria, all those mixed breed people, those mixed nationality people, those mixed religious people whom we hate. And he's doing just that for the sake of sharing his gospel. So Jesus, think about it, let himself be exposed to an unfamiliar place, to an adversarial people in the heat of the day and put himself in awkward social situations. You know what that sounds like? A mission trip, doesn't it? Think about that. I mean, I mean, you're exposed to an unfamiliar place. It's uncomfortable because of that. A lot of times it's hot out there. It's people, many of whom can be antagonistic toward you as you're trying to be a good Christian and share the gospel. Uh, and it's also an awkward social situation. Sounds like a missional kind of thing, whether it's just five miles down the road or 5,000 miles down the road. Can I just do a little interlude here? Please look in your bulletin, open it up, and look at this column to the right that is so frequently in there. You see where it says Brookwood Baptist Mission Partners, and this is not even an exhaustive list. These are, these are a list of a lot of our ministries, not all of them, that you see going down there in different cool print that I think Amy Clark came up with. Isn't that right, Amy? You're so frightening. Okay, uh, look at some of those. Have any of y'all been involved in any of those? Call one out if you've been involved. With, I mean, out loud, I mean, call one out. Anybody been involved in what? Makeway Partners. Gosh, that fabulous ministry that uh, Kimberly uh, Smith uh, leads uh, that battles human trafficking. Our dear friends, uh, David and Whitney Milton, are involved with that, as you know, fantastic ministry. What's another one you've been involved in? Somebody. Living Hope down in South Africa, special place in my heart for that too. An incredible ministry. The youth go there. Uh, Caleb, we're taking the youth again, right? Uh, Caleb is the bomb down there, by the way. He's, he, he turns into mission minister, and it's like, no, don't stay. Come back to Brookwood, because uh, they want to keep him down there. Uh, that's not going to happen. Um, what's another ministry there that you've been involved with? Somebody. What? First Light. Yes, First Light is down there in cursive. First Light Women's Shelter. Thank you, Gabby Kalani Camargo. Uh, another one. What's that? Restoration Academy. People have taught there from here. People have supported. I know Tim Davis was on the board. Anybody else been on that board before? I know it's just something that we really like to support. Did I hear one over here somewhere? True Vine, of course. True Vine with Pastor Ralph, whose birthday it was the other day. We could go on and on. I mean, this is, this is just a, a, not a comprehensive list of all the different ministries we have. Now, a lot of times we walk in here on Sundays and we look at that. We don't really even look at it. I want you to realize you have a fabulous opportunity to thrust yourself into a horribly uncomfortable situation. And it's all these wonderful opportunities. And I hope and pray that you would consider doing one of these. It's, it's a, an amazing opportunity to take place in your life. And as Stacy says, it can indeed change your life. I hope and pray that you'll actually look at that list, find out more about it. Don't we have a mission, uh, um, what do you call it, mission fair coming up? Anybody know? What's the date on that? Anybody know? February 22nd, uh, down in the Fellowship Hall during, uh, during Sunday school and everything, you need to go down and, and find out where God would want you to, do, to go. So you've got plenty of opportunities. I just want you to be aware of that. Which begs the question, when was the last time you allowed yourself to be exposed to an uncomfortable situation for the sake of sharing the gospel? You know what? Let me let you ask yourself. When was the last time following Jesus produced fear in me? Honestly, when was the last time following Jesus produced fear in me? Because there's something wrong if you follow Jesus and you never fear. You know, you never have to call up some courage like Joshua 1.9 says. 
you know, he wants us out of our little comfortable bubbles. He wants us out of those. Somewhere along the way, we started to think, I can follow Jesus and be comfortable and secure and never be put in a somewhat fearful situation. But you can't do one without the other. That's clear if you read the Gospels one time. You can't do one without the other. Jesus faces multiple challenging missional circumstances in this story in order to reach this woman and to give her living water. Now, we'll talk more about their personal exchange next week, but the point here is that to truly follow Jesus, you've got to encounter people and places and experiences that sometimes cause you discomfort. And isn't it fair to say that those are the places where people need to hear the gospel the most? And sometimes we as the church just let them down. Uh, Dave Stone is a pastor in the Louisville area, and uh, he loves to go uh, do ministry to inmates at LaGrange Reformatory, which is just down the road. And he said he was there one Sunday afternoon for a worship service, and he said there was one guy who was really getting into the worship, like just just busting out. What, What do we say? Throwing down. He was really throwing down. See, I'm being hip with the kids. Okay, uh, but he was just really, and he was this huge guy with tattoos all over his arms, on his neck, even on his bald head, shaved head, just a big intimidating guy. But he was just, he was just worshiping just, just with utter abandon. And Dave loved that. And, and afterwards he thought, well, I might talk to him, but he's the scariest looking guy I've ever seen. Well, unfortunately, the guy came over to him, made a beeline, said, are you a pastor? He said, yes. He said, can I ask you a question? Yes. Um, and he proceeded to tell him that uh, he had shot a man, was in for murder, for, he was in for life, and he had found Jesus in prison, but he said, you know, I lived right across the street from a church for seven years before I got put in prison. And he went on and told Dave that, that you know, every Sunday and every Wednesday he would be out in his driveway working on his motorcycle, and he said that people would come up, pull into the church, but, you know, when they were leaving especially, he said they would intentionally divert their, their gaze, you know, just anywhere else but to him, and they would clutch their kids a little bit tighter. He said, in seven years, nobody came across the street just to invite me to church. And Dave could tell this guy wasn't, you know, condemning. He wasn't trying to make some kind of judgmental point. He said, this guy was wounded. He said, man, I found Jesus in prison but, but I don't understand how churches do that. How do you do that when somebody's standing over there for seven years and nobody came and talked to me? And David told him the truth. He said, well, I think they were afraid. I think they were afraid. You know, we want to go to church and we want to follow Jesus, but sometimes we don't want to cross the street. You know, we don't want to step out of the comfort zone. We want to follow Jesus but keep in that little bubble. But you can't do both if you're really wanting to authentically follow him. And so many others are so willing to leave their comfort zones for the sake of following him. I might have shared this one other time. There's a guy named Jim Dennison, a brilliant uh, professor, pastor down in uh, Texas. And he did summer missions one time while he was in college. I'll never forget him talking about this. He went uh, to... Uh, an island that was near Indonesia. It was predominantly Muslim. And he went to worship the first Sunday. And everybody was just worshiping in a real lively fashion. But he looked over, and he was in this pavilion. It was more outdoor than indoor. But he looked over to the side, and he saw some suitcases over there. And and he leaned into the associate pastor who was there, and he said, hey, what's going on? Are we having a mission team? Some more people come in? And the guy said, no. And he tried to just kind of shush him so they could worship. Later on, he leaned in and he said, you know, is somebody getting ready to leave to go somewhere else to do mission work? I said, no, 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 let's worship. Finally, he asked him one more time, and the guy said, no, she's getting baptized. That's all he said, and Jim was like, what, 
What difference does that make? What's the point? Well, this young lady came forward, expressed faith in Jesus, and then and there they baptized her. And he noticed right after the service that she made a beeline for the suitcases, and he asked the associate pastor one more time, he said, she comes from a Muslim family in a Muslim village close by. She's been abandoned now. She's banished. So she brought her luggage with her in order to start this whole new, scary, unknown life, but she knows Jesus now. And Jim asked him, does that happen a lot? The guy looked at him like, are you kidding? He said, yeah, happens a lot. Others so willing to go into a new chapter of their life, not to avoid the pain and the difficulties and the uncertainties of a life with Christ. How willing are we to do just a little to do something that might strike a little bit of fear and uncertainty in our own hearts for his sake. Well, I talked about suitcases. Let me talk about this. I just finished my Jan term class talking about, uh, 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 miss, it was missiology class. And, and, and I learned something. Have any, have any of y'all heard of these one-way missionaries from the 1800s? Anybody know who I'm talking about? There was a group known as the one-way missionaries. And what they would do would be they would just give their lives to Christ and go on the mission field, usually far away across an ocean, and stay there. That's why they were called one-way missionaries. But here's, here's the kicker for me when I read this. What they would do would be to pack up, but they would store everything that they were going to have shipped over there along with them on the boat, not in a box or in a trunk, in suitcases. You know what they would pack it in? Their coffin. I am not making that up. They would do that because they knew they were going to go there for the rest of their life. They might be going someplace that might be a frightful place, but that's what they did. (laughs) There was one guy, true story, named A.W. Milne, who gave his life to Christ uh, during his adult life. He decided, God wants me to go to this island in the South Pacific where every missionary prior to him had been martyred because they were known as headhunters, okay? Um, But he decided to go there, and people tried to dissuade him, people at his church, friends, They said, don't go. And he said, no, you know what? If they kill me, that's fine. My life has already ended. You know, I'm already dead to self. I want to serve Christ and let Christ serve through me. And folks, he he went there, served that village, had had really led a transformative experience where the Spirit really just came to that place, was there with them for 35 years, and then he died and he was buried. They buried him right in the middle of the village, and the people in that village wrote, his epitaph, and it said this. thing is beautiful. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. Isn't that great? When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Sometimes we got to go to those places where it's complete darkness, where there is no light. And trust that God is going to work in and through us, <clears throat> even if we don't think he can. Trust that he could do that. Be willing to go to those dark corners of the world. You know, at some point we started thinking again that you could follow Jesus and be comfortable. Those two just don't go together. They don't go together. Uh, we thought, you know, if we follow him, we don't ever have to do anything a little frightful, a little bit, little bit dangerous. That's just not how it works. If you follow Jesus, he, he's going to lead you out of that comfort zone, as Stacy said. He's going to expose you to some unfamiliar, uncertain circumstances, sometimes with people who are so different from you, who think differently from you, who smell differently from you, who are a different color from you, whatever it might be. But you've got to do that. You've got to do that. So are you willing to do that in order to increase God's kingdom? 
Let, let me refer to this insert that you have in your bulletin. Uh, and we did this last week, but pull this out if you would. Because this is a means by which you can get out of your comfort zone right now. What we're going to do as part of our theme this year is to literally fill this thing out uh, toward the end of each quarter. So it'll be probably the, the last two Sundays and maybe Wednesday if you're here uh, in March. Because that'll be the end of the first quarter. And what we're hoping and praying that you will do will be to read each one of these. It's all his story, it's all his time, it's all his assets, it's all his resources. And there's a call statement there that kind of encapsulates what that particular call is about. But then it says action. And what we need you to do, and we need your help, we need you to be gut level honest with this. If you didn't do any of this stuff, please tell us. Because that gives us information as a staff and as deacons to say, this is where Brookwood needs to do better. So please be wrenchingly honest with this. But if you look at the one, all his story, since I've been talking about that this morning, look at number one there. The call statement is we are called to find ourselves in his story and to share those discoveries with others. In other words, to share the gospel with people. The action is, in the last quarter, I have shared what God is doing in my life with someone at home, someone at work, school, neighborhood, someone at church, wherever it might be. And there's other opportunities. You know, take at least one of those four initiatives, if not all four of them, and commit yourself to doing a bit more for his sake because it's all his story. Hope that you'll do that. In fact, if you would take this home, stick it on the fridge or wherever, just to remind yourself, in a few weeks, I'm going to be filling this thing out. So what would God have me do? To whom would God have me go? Where in this city or overseas would God have me commit to go minister? Let me close by asking you this question. How did Jesus die? How did he literally physically die? He died of two things, asphyxiation and exposure. And with the latter, he was exposed to the elements as he hung there on the cross in, in horrible pain. He really fulfilled what Psalm 22 had, had prophesied hundreds of years prior, where it talks about my heart is melted like wax, that my tongue is swelled, it sticks to the roof of my mouth. Uh, I am poured out like water. What it's saying is I'm dehydrated. And my, you know, my inner body, it's, it's swelling up. He died of exposure. Why? Because he was willing to be exposed to not just harsh elements, but to harsh people, a harsh, broken world. Philippians 2 says what? He didn't count equality with God as something to be exploited, but he, what did he do? He emptied himself. And in emptying himself, he became a human being and exposed himself to physical pain, to utter humiliation, ultimately to death for you. Not just for the woman at the well, but for you. So how willing are you to step out and and just take a small step to reach him? in order to reach others. Let's pray together. Lord, give us a boldness. Give us a boldness by which we would be willing to encounter difficulties, situations, circumstances that will make us physically tired, sometimes emotionally frustrated, sometimes mentally spent, and sometimes afraid. But Lord, we are in a world on fire. It's a scary place to live in, but in the darkness we are called to be the light. So may our small flames become torches that we might bring light to the darkness so 
that it might be said that because of our work, here there was darkness. Now there is light. Make us bold witnesses for your sake, O oh God. Please, help us not just to give lip service to it. Help us not to pass through church culture comfortably by showing up and singing the songs and all, but not leaving this place and going out there into that scary world and serving you. Forgive us when we circumvent, when we avoid going through Samaria. Help us to boldly meet mission face-to-face, wherever you lead us to do it. We pray these things in your name. Amen.